0: well Dave I was uh, looking at the your physical for this year thing looks pretty good but no. uh, I think it's time for us to do your cognitive exam wait what I, I thought we weren't doing that well I mean you, you gotta you gotta have a cognitive exam buddy I mean that's 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 the only way we're gonna know that you're fit for the job but listen it's gonna be all questions right up your alley I know you can do it champ okay all, all right. right. Uh, who was our guest last week the last one I remember ron paul yeah that was the last one you remember yeah yeah was- well dave he was on the show in 2019 so um... oh well I, I mean
1: I, I really enjoyed it it was a thrill to be there to like meet him
0: what what do you mean a thrill to meet him you you didn't even start working here until 2021 oh feels a lot longer than that okay uh hey what holidays today um is it saint patrick's day no no, dave it's not saint patrick's day that's like a, a month from now but is it your birthday on saint patrick's day oh oh is today my birthday no. No. You're, today's not your birthday. Your birthday's on St. Patrick's Day.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. It's St. Patrick's
0: Day. It's Valentine's Day! Oh. Okay. What is the age of your middle child? Middle child? How many kids do I have? Okay.
1: What color is your car? Oh, come on. All right, so that's not fair. I, I always say it's like it's like a, a metallic silver, but Mary always says it's gray.
0: Okay. Speaking of Mary, when is y'all's wedding anniversary? Um, oh no. Huh?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley.
0: Oh man! Oh, oh. well. Hey, listen, we'll we'll run that by the uh, the scorekeepers and see if you're still fit for the job. But it's looking <laughs> a little, oh, looking a little yikes, yeah. guys. <laughs> welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley. Joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Dave Wilimowski. Dave! Dave, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Hey. Oh. Apparently, apparently, it's Valentine's Day. Uh huh. Yeah, that w- that would have been nice to know before today. No. Um, I'm doing good. You know, we didn't do much today. The kids are under the weather and stuff, but
0: we're hanging in there. How are you doing, Alan? Oh, I'm. I'm I'm doing pretty good all things considered. But hey, guys, everything look we're just we're just playing characters on screen. None of that was real. Dave, of course, of course knows when his anniversary is, which Dave is is ten eight oh five. Oh, yeah. Never mind yeah. Oh he's reading it off by- <laughs> Okay. Wow, I wasn't gonna tell on you, but anyway. Let me tell you about something really important news, guys. Oh. Saturday, May 18th of this year. It's the 6th annual It's Too Late Live show. That's right. Coming to you from beautiful Columbia, Tennessee, the 6th annual It's Too Late Live show. We're going to have a bunch of great food. Uh, We're going to have lemurs. There's going to be not one, but two red-haired kangaroos. Those bad boys get six (laughs) feet tall. I'll have you know. Oh. Uh, there's a sloth, and he does exactly what you think he would do, which is not much. Just he, just kinda, he just kind of hangs out. Uh, yeah, there's a llama, and he'll – hey, he'll find you. You don't have to go looking for him. <laughs> <And> <laughs> they're <find> fast. Him. <laughs> I looked that up. I Okay, Yay. so I ran this idea by Blake. I said, Blake, uh, what I said that for the people who buy VIP tickets – they can get hmm. they can get get inside the, the cage and see if they're faster than a llama. And his oh, answer was, sense. yeah, I thought that'd be a lot of fun, because you know llamas mm-hmm. don't don't really like people, but people be like, ah, that llama can't catch me. <laughs> Just avoid it. So I looked it up, and apparently, uh, their their physiology is really similar to a camel, and they can actually run up to 40 miles an hour.
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Why would they yeah. do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why would they do that? So you got to get your tickets if you want to race the llamas. You can get that over at the link right there in the chat or down in the show notes. It's the 6th annual It's Too Late live show. Yeah, Ryan's in. Ryan's in for it. I could beat that llama. That's right. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't. Anyway, it's Saturday, May 18th. Get your tickets right now. Uh, Oh, man, we've got an incredible show tonight. Uh, Awesome Valentine's Day memes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic guest making his first appearance on the show. Uh, but I thought I would do something a little bit different in tonight's monologue. I wanted I wanted to kind of revisit a little story time with Uncle Alan.
1: Oh, yay! Okay. All right, we need theme music.
0: We I well I've 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 thought of a graphic for it. I just haven't had time to put it together. Okay. We we you and I need to find a video editor who can just be our guy. Yeah. So that when we have just dumb ideas, we can just send it to him. Be like, hey, can you mm-hmm. make this real quick, you know? Because something that's real quick for him would be, like, difficult for us, you know? Yeah. all right. two afternoons. All right. So, the other day, I was coming home from work, and I ordered groceries to be delivered. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, Ooh. look, at Mr. Moneybags over here can afford <laughs> delivered groceries. Well, I'll have you know, I'm a part of a very elite club at a business called... Walmart. Oh. So, yeah, I don't know if you guys have those from whatever podunk town you're from, but here we have Walmarts that will deliver your groceries. And so the groceries were set to be delivered at 325. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. I get a message right around 3. They're running a little behind. It's going to be more like 345. Eh, I'm already off work. Doesn't make any difference to me. Well, sure enough, three forty five rolls around and I get the little notification, ding dook. Hey, your order's been delivered sitting on the porch. Because nice. of course, you know, me being me, I have it set to contactless, you know, delivery. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like 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 I never cared about the contact. Like I, I didn't need it to be contactless during COVID, because that's just all a scam. Yeah. You could have come you could just come spit in my mouth. I don't care. Just bring me my grocery groceries. <laughs> um, but yeah, feel free to hit buttons anytime, Dave. But I know I thought of it, but it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he said it! He said it! We got to get a button for that too. You said it. It's too late. Yeah, you said <laughs> it. All right. So anyway, I have, but see, I left them all set on contactless, even though it's current year, because I'm like, Ew. yeah, you know, just a, a neat option to have. Yeah, because they're gonna know that I ordered, you know. Oh. <laughs> and they're gonna be looking at me like, mm, you know, oh. So so okay. Our, our our friend who's I, I I don't I don't remember what his name was. We'll we'll say his name is Raphael. He leaves okay. the groceries on the on the porch and he leaves. Well he hadn't been gone. He couldn't have been gone more than a minute, because it takes a minute or two to put the groceries on the porch, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I run down there. My porch is empty. Oh. And I think to myself, That's well, we don't really have porch pirates around here. And, and frankly, even if we did, they, they had to like literally sprint up to the porch and grab all the bags and the bottled water and everything. So no, no yeah. it, it must be that he delivered them to the wrong place. Happens. And so I try to contact Walmart to tell them, hey, can you get with your delivery driver? Like he has to be right down the street. This just happened. Can you get with them and tell them to turn around and get my stuff, because they didn't, they didn't deliver it. I don't know where they delivered it, and it ain't to the right place. Yeah. Well, you know how it is. And now I'm on... They don't have a number or a text. You have to get on the little internet live... Ch- I'm on live chat now with with Aziz, waiting for him to look, you know, dictionary.com, the words that I'm saying. Um, yeah, apparently he didn't, he didn't understand when I called him a smelly pirate hooker. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so... While I'm waiting for the chat, I'm putting, I just got home from work. I'm exhausted. And here I am. I'm putting my my shoes and my jacket back on because it's, it's been pouring down rain. I'm heading back out to go look for my groceries. So I'm driving around. I'm looking. I don't see them in my cul-de-sac. I, I'm heading downhill. I don't see them. I don't see them. Right around that time, I get the notification where the driver took a picture. You know, I mean, I do. I've done that for a living. Yeah. You, 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 you make the delivery. You go, you take the picture. Amazon, too. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, because the, the people who don't know my address don't know and the and the ones who do, I like, oh no. Uh, so mm-hmm. I live at a six twenty five. Six two five. Mm-hmm. I I look at the picture and there's my groceries in bags sitting on a porch, literally right next to the post that says six twelve. Oh, no. He, he, in his own picture, took the picture of the wrong address. He can't even say, oh, I thought this was 625. It literally says 612 in your own picture. So I'm like, okay, they're at 612. That's down the hill on the left. I'll go down there. Well, sure enough, right as I pull up, I see my groceries. I get an update from the live chat. It's Walmart. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I found them now. But it's at this point, it's the principle of the matter that they're paying that guy to deliver the groceries to my house and he didn't do it. Right. So, in my opinion, the way for them to fix it, this is much as them as it is me. They should have him come fix it. Like, mm-hmm. like what, what difference does it make? Like Walmart isn't really even fixed, like they he should fix it because he was the one tasked with the job. So Walmart, Aziz, messages me back and basically says, you only have two options. Option one is close the chat and go kill yourself. And option two two is just take a full refund because we lost your groceries. Oh. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Alan, you found your groceries. You did. So as I'm picking up the last bag and I'm putting it in the back of my car... I go, (laughs) boop, full full refund. (laughs) So yeah, so okay. So I took the full refund for my weeks of groceries and my groceries, which Mm -hmm. ultimately leads us kind of to the moral quandary at the end of this little episode here of, was I wrong for not at least informing the Walmart chat person that I had found the groceries, because as far as they're concerned, they're lost. No one knows where yeah. they are. Should I have, kind of, clued them in on that, or should I? Was I f- correct to just take the money, oh. take the groceries, and say, "Yeah, man, I hope you deliver them next time." Jeez.
1: Yeah, you just you just tell Walmart that those groceries belong to the streets now.
0: Yeah. What would you have done, Dave?
1: Well, I mean. Obviously, I would have I would have taken the refund, collected all my groceries, and I would I would probably donate them at the nearest food bank. That'd be.
0: Nobody <laughs> believes that for a second. No, Guys, before we take our me. break, let me tell you about tonight's sponsor, which is Fox and Sons Coffee which you can find at foxandsons.com. Use promo code ITL to get 18% off orders of $25 nice. or more. Shipping's always free over orders of thirty seven ninety nine. That's wow. foxandsons.com. Listen to this. Steve actually informed me that they're having a special Valentine's Day event over at Fox & Sons because he and his wife got married on Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. This they total... Sell out sack of shit. <laughs> got married on Valentine's Hallmark Day. Hallmark holiday. How gay heck? is that? Yeah. Getting married <laughs> to a woman on Valentine's Day? Dude, gay. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah. But, but listen, I thought about it again and I thought, actually, Steve's a genius. Brilliant. Because oh. unlike, unlike Dave, who has no idea when he got married to Mary. All Steve has to do is wait for everyone To start talking about Valentine's Day And he knows it's time Yeah Brilliant I should have gotten married on my birthday Yeah, That's why Steve makes the big bucks ladies and gentlemen That's Fox and Sons Coffee At foxandsons.com Use promo code ITL Uh, Guys we're going to be back With the meme of the week and the viewer mail Right after this commercial break Don't go away the show everybody uh behind an able man there are always other able men i thought he was gonna say like a strong woman it doesn't it doesn't no. <laughs> just keep them out of the equation behind an able man there's always other able men yeah sucks yep. to suck ladies all right anyway you're... <laughs> <That's so good. laughs> yeah. save that one all right that yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna save this one all right uh, the numbers are twenty-four, fifty, twenty-two, ten, forty, and eleven. All right, twenty-two. Yeah. Uh, oh, let me tell you about tonight's other sponsor. Oh, which is Tennessee Hot Sauce Company, which you can find at tnhotsauceco.com. dot Use promo code Eight. It's Too Late. You get ten percent off your entire order of such things as this. Sweet. here's the honey. Oh, speaking of sweet, it's the honey habanero. Check that oh. out. It's the honey habanero, ladies and gentlemen. Which has vinegar, water, habanero, bell peppers, honey, garlic, lime, and salt. Oh, It's also right in the middle. Look at that. It's, it's right in the middle. It could be personable yeah. one day, it could be problematic the next. It's kind of like my ex, just personable <laughs> one day, problematic the next. My little honey, my little honey habanero yeah. right there. You can find Tennessee Hot Sauce Companies, TNHotSauceCo.com. Promo code, it's too late. Get some. <clears throat> that's all right hey, hey dave yes Alan. what time is it it's time kind of for meme of the week
1: yes, we thought about killing myself <laughs>
0: wow <laughs> well i didn't have any plans woo. yeah well i mean you know me i don't i don't have any plans um no <laughs> oh, wait wait hold on hold on Dave, you don't have any plans for Valentine's for, for you and Mary? Yeah.
1: No. Okay, so so it's like, you know, I'm, we're a single income family.
0: Right, all 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 wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> we're, we're, where is it? I, ne- I need to find the thing. Oh, there it is. All right, go ahead.
1: Okay. You know, because we're, we're like a single income family, and so my money's her money, her money's my money. So when we're spending a bunch of money on Valentine's Day... Mm-hmm. We're just spending our own money, so we'll wait till later in the week when the flowers are on sale, the restaurant's aren't as full. We'll, we'll just have a special special night
0: then. Just wait till the flowers are dead, and I'll buy you some, Mary. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, they, they keep for like a few more days.
0: But she don't. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah please turn that off forever thank you um oh but we do have a bonus meme check out the bonus meme
2: if you would shoot someone because they try to steal your dog that means you value a dog's life over a human's life
1: (laughs) yeah yeah seems
0: accurate oh my goodness uh All right, hey, uh, how much time do we have left in this segment? Oh,
1: no, yeah, that's it. We're done.
0: We got to get moving on. No, that was the end of the. Well, um, let's go ahead and answer all the viewer mail. We'll do. We'll do it really quick, though. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, for Christ's sake, I didn't even have the viewer mail pulled up. (laughs) Like we're we're in a hurry. I didn't have it. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, take your time. Yeah, no, no, that's no, fine. It's your just show. give me a second. Yeah. No, there's there's a guy I know that in this situation he would just say it's a it's a misinput. Oh uh, yeah. It's a good yeah. Skill issue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh Jonathan Carranza writes, dear out all right, lightning round. You ready, Dave? Lightning round. Okay, I got it. Uh who's your favorite guest you've uh, had on the show? Dave, who's your favorite guest has been on the no. show? Well, I said Ron Paul. That okay, you Ron can't Paul. Beat that. Yeah. Well you got to meet him. It was awesome. Uh Aaron yeah. Aaron says, uh dear Alan and Dave. Uh, if I were to start live streaming, what content should I create? Aaron, do, for the love of God, do not do that to yourself. We need more
1: podcasters. Just podcast.
0: No. No, we no. do not. <laughs> in fact, this one's going away in like 10 months. Yeah. Uh, Mary Lynn Willimowski writes, Dear Ron. Dave, Uh-oh. how important is it that the fitted bedsheet be folded perfectly before going into the drawer slash closet? Dave, do you fuck up again? No, it's it's because
1: I'm a little anal retentive and I like things to have nice creases. But with the fitted sheet, there's no way to perfectly. People are lying. Nobody can do it. You just fold it close enough and jam it in
0: there. Well, I, I heard it on good authority, Dave, that you have nice creases. Uh, <laughs> Celeste Annis writes, dear Alan and Dave, what's the worst restaurant experience you've ever had? Uh, worst restaurant. It's actually I was I was with another couple, so it was really them that made the restaurant experience bad, not the restaurant. The restaurant served a rare steak to the gentleman. The gentleman decided that it was undercooked. It's rare, by the way. He decided it was undercooked. His wife picked it up in her hand and put it in the hand of the waiter and said, "Does this look cooked to you?" Wow. I swear to God, I almost stabbed them in the jaw right there. Like, the restaurant should pay me to escort them out. Yeah. I never, I never went out with those people ever again. They were Yankees, dude. Yankees. Am I right? Come on. Yankees. People together. All right. Bad experience, Dave? Um, I couldn't think of the only thing I can
1: think of is when we were in Tennessee and we went to this place called sliders And I'm pretty sure that the waitress was in cahoots with the uh, parking lot hustlers because she kept us there five minutes longer and We got we got got dinged for being there too long I think it's a racket
0: Uh Yankees (laughs) Gary Dyser writes dear dear Alan today have you ever met any famous singers whose names we'd recognize I've I've met a few. I've met uh Vince Gill, Ronnie Gant, Ronnie Skaggs, uh John Mayer, Dave met any? No. Okay. Uh you could have said Alan Mosley, son of a bitch. Uh oh, Brian God. Johnson writes, dear on a Dave, if you had to leave this country never to return, in which country would you live? Um, um You know, I used to say stuff like New Zealand, but they're like all com- uber commie now. Oh yeah, they are they're yeah. bad. You know what? Honestly, probably Mexico, because like half your day is just a fiesta, and the other half of the day is like yeah, hiding from the cartel. Naps. Yeah, naps are great. Yeah. from the cartel. Tank. That's right. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Ryan Seaford writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, with John Stewart back on the air, do you feel like it's too late has become redundant?" Oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> I feel like that's a slight. Well, okay, so first of all, Ryan, we don't care what that commie Jew does back on TV. And second of all, as you will recall, what is our slogan here on It's Too Late? It's the number one late night show in America, not not hosted by a communist. That's right. So he's a communist, so we're better. Uh, Laodurio writes, Daryl to Dave, should I start a fish farm? Uh, I've seen your pond. No. Oh. It's not potable. Oh. Yep. Eh, give it a shot. Yeah, I'd do it anyway. Uh, Eric Eli writes, Dear Alan and Dave, which ethnic history are you most interested in? That's, that's problematic. We're going to skip that one. And finally, Andrew Avery writes, are variables and algorithms weapons of math destruction? Oh. I, I figured I would do it, since I know you won't. Yeah. All right, guys. Okay. We're going to be back with Joseph Solis Mullen to talk about his book, The Fake China Threat, right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Where
1: it's dark, but have no fear. My client should go right to fucking jail! The son of a bitch is guilty man there! That man man. is a slime!
0: I can't thank you enough. Also, my boyfriend's your biggest fan. Back to the show, everybody. Our guest this evening is a political scientist. God, how could you? You put that first in your bio. I wouldn't call my worst enemy a political scientist. Uh, he's an economist, a professor of history, and the author of this right here is latest book, "The Fake China Threat and Its Very Real Danger," published by our friends over at the Libertarian Institute. Joseph Salise Mullen, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad that you are here. Uh, we were just talking before the show. I wanted you to tell everybody. So you you have a new job.
2: Yes, as you, as you pointed out, uh, I am a political scientist. I put everything on there chronologically. So my initial graduate school work was in political science, quote unquote. And then uh, I spent time as an economist. And I was working at the Institute while I was doing my PhD in history. And so it's all just kind of chronological there. Okay. Right. And yes, I did. I, I secured a, a job as a professor of history and I teach uh, 19th and 20th century European history.
0: All right. Well, is this your, is this your first teaching job with, uh, molding the young minds of the future at the university level? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't know who to feel worse for them. Them or you, uh, but on that note, I, I want to get right into uh, your your book that came out. When 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 was it first published?
2: Uh, the first edition came back. The first edition, of the hardback, uh, came out uh, I believe the first week of October. Okay. And then we just had the expanded paperback edition, which came out uh, in January.
0: Okay, perfect.
2: So I
0: kind of kind of starting off there at at the beginning. Was there was there a particular moment? in in recent world history or like a specific development with uni- US Chinese relations perhaps or or something else that inspired you to write the book at that time that made you think okay now is the time for this to come
2: out yes it was actually a, a moment of intense personal annoyance actually <clears throat> you see i was going on vacation i was in between one of my graduate programs i don't remember. i think i think it was in between my first two. And uh, I had grabbed a nice stack of reading material from the newsstand. We were going up north, not very good internet. I'm up here in Michigan. And uh, I'm reading through the papers and, uh, you know, Financial Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, Foreign Affairs, etc. And every other article, this was, I don't know, four or five years ago now, Every single article was about China and how dangerous they are and how they're coming to eat our lunch and look out. Aren't they devious? They stole all our jobs, hooked us all on drugs, yada, yada, yada. And it just kind of hit me in that moment that this is the new norm. Like it happened kind of in a drip campaign overnight. But I looked at my shelf, my books. I had a lot of books about China and they were all of a piece. They had gradually become these very controversial, this whole cottage industry. Of spinning up this idea that China was on the march and not only were they growing relatively more powerful, they were going to literally eclipse the United States and come dominate us. Now, if you don't believe that, that's fine. You're wrong, but that's fine. And my great objection and the reason I initially wrote this lengthy article at the Mises Institute, which was called China Won't Be Taking Over the World was to point out to people all of these basic flaws in the argument and which you you didn't really hear the argument was very one-sided it was just a bunch of people in an echo chamber all bought and paid for by pretty much the same people you'd expect all saying yes isn't it isn't it important that we arm up and you know get ready to have a new round of containment, new round of great power conflict and this time with China and so I wanted to add uh, a different perspective. The debate, because I noticed that even a, a lot of uh, libertarians or paleo conservatives were very bad, very bad on China. So and that's what happened. That's what happened. I was just on vacation and reading and it suddenly struck me that this was uh, not only annoying because I didn't want to sit there and read about how scary China was all day just because they had an aircraft carrier now. And it just all kind of clicked into place. I wrote the article. It, uh, wound up being my most successful article to, to that point. I had been writing a uh, freelance work for, for various outlets for some time. And, uh, and that was it.
0: Well, since you, of course you, you, you title the book, the, the fake China threat. And I know that if people uh, leave out that F word, they'll see another book called the China threat, but we're, we're going to leave that one in the dumpster for now. Um, uh, but you, as as you pointed out, so there's there's people that maybe ideologically are in similar camps to us that that we may agree with them on a lot of different issues. But China tends to be a blind spot for a lot of those people. Um, so I I thought something interesting for, for us to do would be to start off by sort of steel manning the position of some of the China hawks. So so what what would you say if you wanted to? Uh, at least list their concerns before you then address them. What would you say are a short list of the biggest concerns that people have, whether it's policymakers or just, you know, Johnny Everyman in the United States that would lead them to take such an antagonistic position on China?
2: Well, I, I guess I would divide it into into a couple of different groupings. Uh, there are those who believe that they actually pose a direct threat to the United States. Um, these are the real extremists. Uh, I don't really know how to steel man their argument because it's so absurd. I do think there are hawkish arguments that are not t- not terribly absurd and that have a real foundation in reality. And, and so perhaps I'll start by addressing those. Um, the first one is those who point out the serious population imbalance and high youth unemployment rate in China. And they say, look, like all uh, regimes, Uh, which uh, have social problems, which having a lot of young, uh, unemployed men who can't find girlfriends uh, due to decades of uh, failed social engineering policies by the CCP, which led to a rash of single-sex abortion. So they have uh, several million of these young men who, uh, you know, that's about the most dangerous demographic you can have there with nothing to do, that they'll try to solve this problem in a foreign adventure. It's not the worst argument I've ever heard. And it could happen. Um, The other one would be uh, the hawks who say, look, um, uh, China wants to secure uh, for itself access uh, to raw materials, uh, which it does not have, and to manufactured goods, which it does not have, uh, specifically uh, high-grade semiconductors. It's being cut off. Uh, or the United States is attempting to cut it off from these supplies, and so China may have to move to try and secure them for itself. Now, the United States' is, uh, you know, representatives of the security bureaucracy have said that they would take actions to prevent that from happening. Uh, O'Brien, and then there's a, uh, a paper uh, called The Broken Nest, where they talk about purposefully blowing up the TSMC facilities themselves to prevent them from falling into the uh, the mainland's hands. Uh, so they're... China's economy um, has for years been been growing at an incredible clip, and a lot of people believed that it was going to ultimately eclipse the United States, uh, even though they ignored the fact that uh, on a GDP adjusted basis, on a per capita basis, uh, that was never looking very likely. Um, The statistics that uh, all governments come out uh, are spun in a way to make themselves look good. Our own government does it, and certainly the CCP does it as well. So there's every reason to doubt some of their statistics anyway. Um, but even now, it's, it's you know, the growth and total factor productivity have been declining or flatlining for over a decade. And in part, it's because uh, the party under the leadership of uh, Xi Jinping has been tilting more and more back towards state control as opposed to uh, more decentralized Uh, more creative flows, uh, a a more conducive environment to FDI flows, and uh, a comparative advantage environment that was attractive to foreign multinationals who are now seeking to go elsewhere, not only because of uh, the rising wages in China, which make it less attractive as a low-cost manufacturing hub, but also because of the policies of the CCP uh, during covid and then of course, there's also the fact that Washington could, at the snap of its fingers, the Com- Depar- the Commerce Department or the Treasury Department, could snap their fingers and put sanctions in place or put up regulations or any number of things that could really raise the costs of doing business for multinationals. And they're just saying, we're going to friend short. We're going to send it to Mexico, or we're going to put it in Brazil. We're going to bring it somewhere closer for geopolitical reasons. So there's all sorts of reasons to, to believe that China's economy's halcyon days of growth are over. Um, they're probably never going to pose a, a serious threat uh, to the United States in in any real way. Um, all, all that with the with the steel many of the China threat argument, uh, I think what it comes down to is how do you define the China threat? If you, like Rex Tillerson, believe that the United States Navy not having quote total domination of the Pacific Ocean, and that comes from Bob Woodward's book, who he's a As insider a chronicle of of Washington as it gets, that if the the United States Navy does not have the total domination of the Pacific Ocean right up to the shores of China itself, that that's a threat, that that's the China threat, then I can't help you. Because yes, China is now a threat to the total U.S. domination of the Pacific. Um, China is a Pacific country. It has interest in the region. It's going to float a commensurate Navy and it would behoove the United States um, to not try to provoke a confrontation over this question. We've seen this happen many times in the past. This Thucydian dynamic, it's not new and there are ways of navigating it appropriately. And what's really, I think, increased, uh, China's relative power, more than anything the CCP has done, is Washington's own policies. So on a relative basis, China was always going to get stronger. I mean, when Mao died, they were at the lowest of the low. You can't get much lower than starvation and, you know, backyard smelters. So they were always going to improve. And when they got WTO membership back late Bill Clinton, early George W. Bush years, per capita GDP was less than $1,000 ahead. Now it's, you know, several thousand dollars ahead. It's an incredible rise. It's an incredible rise in standard of living. And there's plenty of room to go higher. And those were all due to smart decisions by the CCP taking advantage of of their unique spot. But what did Washington do during that same period? They got us thirty three trillion dollars in debt. They fought a bunch of unwinnable wars and uh, they ruined, uh, you know, the credibility of, you know, whatever was left of the whole, you know, leading the free world, coalition of the willing stuff, whatever you bought into that. I mean, that's that's all dead now. Just look at how everyone voted in the in the Ukraine conflict, how everyone's voting in the Israel conflict, in the U.N. General Assembly. Um, they basically got uh, Europe and the Anglosphere on their side. And that's it. And that's it. The rest of the world's not interested. So and that's due to Washington's own policies. And you've got things like the, the migrant crisis, again, another product of Washington's bad policies, the drug war and the war on terror. So really, uh, you know, I, I think in part the the focus on the China threat is a way for Washington to deflect responsibility for its own failures. Just look at how they talk. China stole the manufacturing jobs. How did this happen? How did they steal the manufacturing jobs? They created an opioid crisis. How did they do that? The Chinese are wizards, I guess. No. No. <laughs> No, that's not what happened. It was Washington's own policies. And now they need to blame someone for it. And China is convenient to blame because, hey, look, they're big on the map. Their economy's big. That's scary, right? They look different. That's scary. You know, they're communists, that's scary, right? Even though when you look at their actual economy, it's like it's pretty much state capitalist. I mean, the the differences between the economies are like not that serious at all. Um, Our own economy has been so heavily socialized over the years that, you know, it's hard to parse out real differences. You know, when our central bank just opens up infinite lines of credit to regional banks when they're in a pinch, you know, like, what are we even talking about anymore? Like, what free market? Well, nothing can fail. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I, well, I, I know I definitely want to kind of get back to that whole, you know, U.S. president, leader of the free world type stuff uh, a little bit later later on this evening. But but I, I wanted to kind of expound a little bit on a couple of things that, that you brought up. So I, I, I do think it's probably fair to say that the average person is going to be a little bit more successful with, with pointing out China on a map than they would Yemen or Syria or Somalia or Iran or Iraq, for that matter, uh, because China is geographically a large country. And I think that a lot of people with, with very, very limited worldview would just think, well, the United States is a very prosperous country. It's very natural resource rich. There's this landmass with all of these resources. They just kind of assume that the same must be correct for China. But you, you had mentioned, and I know you've written about uh, that China, one of the reasons why they seek control of their immediate surroundings is, is for the reason of trade and importation, because they in fact don't perhaps have all the natural resources that they that they would require for a nation of their size. So, so, talk a little bit more about how that influences what China does, rather than this this antagonistic relationship with the West influencing what China does.
2: Yes, that's that's a good point. Is on, on a per capita basis, because for sure, of course, China has three times the population of the United States with a similar land area um, you know and like the United States they have a lot of desertification that's gone on something like 30% of the country is you know mountains and deserts that, that you just can't use uh, for any kind of uh, vegetation or anything like that so you know on, on a per capita basis uh, they're sitting in a similar situation to country and i know this sounds ridiculous but They're in a similar situation to countries like Saudi Arabia. When you talk about arable land per capita, potable water per capita, um, natural gas and oil. I mean, again, this is a a, a still industrializing economy. I mean, they are very committed to finding alternative sources of energy apart from securing uh, good relations with countries like Myanmar, who have a lot of natural gas. Um, this is one of the reasons that the fight over the South and East China Seas is is so intense, is because um, th- there's a lot of natural resources under there, including gas and oil, and uh, that which China needs. Uh, it, it cannot count on access to Persian Gulf oil always being open. China and Russia have been pushed closer together by the actions of Washington. Um, there was certainly no, no inclination 20 years ago that, that there was going to be a tilt in that direction. Certainly, they did try to mend fences. There was uh, you know, centuries of antagonism there that, that needed to be put, put by the by. But, um, you know, there's, there's no guarantee that uh, the relationship between China and Russia will always uh, be so rosy as it is now without uh, Washington's belligerence to help keep them pushed together, because, of course, now Russia will— send oil and natural gas eventually to to China. So that will help uh, their situation there. And and who knows, maybe that will help to de-escalate, to to de-emphasize some of the conflict zones in the South China Sea. I I tend to think not, um, for the same reason that I think Washington would behave belligerently uh, if there were foreign uh, military vessels sailing around off the coast of Florida, just hanging out in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a question of, of national pride, uh, which is a, a silly kind of thing and difficult to measure, but it's no less real for that. Um, people, uh, flipped out, uh, Ted Cruz made a complete fool of himself several months ago, uh, on the floor of the Senate, you know, about, uh, an Iranian warship that was going to dock in Brazil for some reason. Yeah. Mean, there's, there's no, you can't quantify what kind of threat that is to the United States or why that's important at all. Sure. Um. But it is something that's popular. Uh, pick up a paper; you can read all about things like that. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, I think I think uh,
0: one one quick thing before we take our our first break here is. Uh, for for the average person who's just getting their news from the television or from the papers and and god help them if that's where they're getting their information right but you know you 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 sort of have these two different positions that are really hard to reconcile it's that on the one hand you're hearing from from the west from the US regime that china is a threat china is being aggressive they're antagonistic um you know think of taiwan they're they're going to they're they're going they're throwing their weight around in the south china sea now god forbid they china has you know throws their weight around in the south china sea but that being neither here nor there they they paint them as as a existential threat and yet then on the other side uh uh, you, you have stories of uh, Chinese diplomatic relations. You, you talk about them them having improved relations with some of their neighbors, e- even even if it's just for, for necessities reasons. It still stands no matter. I mean, uh, what's the old phrase of where, where goods can't travel, soldiers will, And, and but goods are traveling. Uh, you think of uh, Chinese diplomats going and staging peace talks in different parts of the world, particularly in the Middle East. And so it that seems like a really hard square to circle to hear out of one side of the mouth, oh well these are these are dangerous, you know physically threatening people, and then out of the other side of the mouth, well, actually China's taking a a bigger leadership role diplomatically around the world and and that kind of brings us full circle to that whole u s being the global diplomatic leader which which is a phrase that's just hard to say without laughing these days after the war on terror and and everything else, but is those are just I, – I guess I don't know if that's really so much as a question as it is just to say that for the everyman to hear those two separate viewpoints and say, well, that doesn't sound like we're talking about the same country.
2: I, I hear you. I hear you, and I, I encounter this every day when I open my, my institute email box. Um, yes, it, it is difficult to square because what goes on in uh, the rest of the world just – it's not very – the health and wealth of, of the United States on a day to day basis. Uh, we have a foreign policy that's that's far more activist than is good for us. Um, and there are concerted interests who, who would like to see us stay engaged and see us stay engaged in a highly militarized, forward postured way. You mentioned that China is going around trying to just talk to people. Um, that's not something Washington wants to see happen, though. Um, but China, and it's because China's interests are different from the U.S.'s own interest. China would like to see Saudi Arabia and Iran get along. That is not what Washington would like to see. And so that's fairly self-explanatory why Washington doesn't like that. They're just basically at odds there. In terms of putting uh, territorial disputes to rest, yes, it's true. China has, in several instances, it's surrounded by neighbors on all sides they have they've settled a great many disputes they have a few that are outstanding still one with india which has the potential to flare up every now and again and those two governments really need to make sure that they keep a lid on that um neither one of them want a war obviously um but at the same time uh yeah, just in terms of perception yes again you look at is china being more assertive yes yes china's relative power has increased economically, diplomatically, militarily, they'd like a bigger say. They have more at stake in the world now. They are more important to the well-being of the world now and to our own well-being. And you have to just ask yourself, who started applying tariffs to who? Who started sanctioning whom? Whose military assets are shoved up in the face of whom? Yeah. And again, the answer in all these cases is that it is the United States who initiated these processes. It's the United States. That is in China's face, not the other way around. And so, again, it it depends on what you want to call a threat. I personally see it as very realistic that the status quo that had existed for a long time vis-a-vis the mainland, Taiwan, could remain, could remain. Um, War is a very dicey proposition. There's no obvious benefit if you read uh, Chinese Security literature, their version of foreign affairs, they truly seem to believe that America is in a state of terminal decline under Washington's leadership, and that it's only a matter of time before Taiwan simply falls into their lap like a ripe apple down from the tree. So why hazard a war over it? Again, it's it's not as though she is uh, some uh, all-powerful dictator. He has constituents who he needs to mollify. There is a, an intense, uh, fierce Chinese nationalism that has been stirred up and which uh, she has helped to build and to cultivate uh, as opposed to simply relying on things like, uh, you know, Orthodox Maoist or Mao- Maoism and Marxism. Um, and so. Again, I, I bring this up a lot as a, as a European history professor, uh, the, the years prior to World War One, I, I know that Washington wants you to view everyone they don't like as Hitler. Um, Because that makes it very difficult to disagree with their policy prescriptions. Sure. But this Thucydian dynamic that we see building here is very akin to what happened in the outset to World War I with the clash between uh, Great Britain and Imperial Germany, um, which was not about ideology for all that they tried to spin it as that. It was about whether or not Germany, as it grew wealthier and stronger, was going to be able to have a... A better seat at the table if you will in a world order that had been increasingly dominated by the british well that's basically where we're at
0: on that note uh guys we're going to take a quick commercial break but we're going to be back with more on the fake china threat with our guest tonight joseph salise mullen right after this commercial break don't go away It's Too Late with Alan Mosley is proudly supported by Fox & Sons Coffee. Fans of It's Too Late use code ITL and receive 18% off orders of $25 or more. Shipping is always free on orders over $37.99. Get yours today at their website, which is www.foxandsons.com. It's www.foxandsons.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, so, so Joseph, I am I actually, during the break, I deleted the line in my notes that said Taiwan question mark because I feel like, A, we're not going to need that, and B, we could do a whole series on just that topic alone. And there's so many other things that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but I know I saw your appearance on the Todd Wood Show a little while back, and one of the questions he had asked you specifically about China Hawks is, is there anybody good on this? And, uh, and you had mentioned Thomas Massey, which I, I think is, is, is a great suggestion. Um, but, of course, the caveat to that was, is that, you know, not including Ron Paul because Ron Paul is no longer in politics. Um, but I'm reminded, you know, something that Ron Paul used to talk about a lot. Uh, was just, just the concept of understanding other people in other nations and, and, you know, kind of addressing the hypocrisy as, as you've already done a little bit tonight of well, you know, well, how would we feel if there were Chinese bases on the border of Texas? You know, how would we feel if, if their Navy was sailing around Cuba and, and just, just to give a little bit of perspective, um, but that kind of leads me down a, a different little trail of thought, which is, you know, we've been talking a lot about how the everyman in America feels about China and how their perceptions are colored by by the American empire and by the corporate press and all that. But what what about the opposite? What what are could you comment a little bit on, you know, how does China feel? What what is sort of the prevailing opinion of the United States within China? I know you had already already mentioned the concept of, of deterioration and that, you know, there's no need to rush conflict because they don't see the United States continuing to be a global leader. So t- tell us a little bit more about how does every man Chinese believe, th- think about the United States?
2: Well, the, the American declinism stuff is, is an, as I said, it's an elite military establishment security perspectives view. And it's one of several competing views. There are of course, collaborationists, uh, integrationists who who want to see a return to the less confrontational um, dynamics of the relationship, who uh, who see U.S. prosperity and Chinese prosperity as as tied together in terms of the the average Chinese person. you know, the, the last public public polling that i've seen which you know it's it's hard to know precisely how accurate that is because not for, for a number of reasons one, one of which being that um large parts of the, the the country are are still not really hooked into the grid in the same way that that we are um there's still a lot of urbanization and and things like that that, that need to take place so, you're, you know, you're getting a, a more biased perspective because you're getting a lot of city dwelling folk, you know, um, but opinion has 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 not been terrible of the United States, not not by any means. Uh, it's akin to sort of how the, um, you know, 30, 40 percent approval, you know, akin to, you know, Latin America when when Trump took office, you know, it's like not not not. Not great, but certainly not terrible. You know, we could do a lot more. Considering how, how Washington's been behaving, it's kind of impressive, actually. <laughs> um, frankly. Uh, so, um, well, no, because there's there there's a lot to uh, admire about uh, about uh, American society, American economy. Um, our politics is, is hopelessly dysfunctional at this point, and our foreign policy has been uh, pretty destructive. Um, but... The average Chinese is not looking for a conflict with the United States. I I think there is some degree of of bafflement as to why all of a sudden after having, excuse me, built this great trade relationship and this really interdependent economic prosperity that now Washington wants to kill it. Sure. But –
0: well well on on that note we'll, we'll put our political scientist caps back on for a moment so we've already talked a little bit about kind of the the evolution of the relationship between the US and China and that not that long ago the relationship was actually pretty pretty solid but but that it's it's devolved in in recent years uh, largely as as you would put it that China just is serving as the most recent boogeyman to to take blame for for failures in Washington DC so okay so I'm so so you I, I wrote you in and my, my vote's the only one that matters so Joseph you're you're the next president of the United States so what what would it take then for you your administration to to get us back on the right path to 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 put all of this antagonism behind us and, and bring US China relations back into the back into the clear
2: boy uh, <laughs> yeah I mean it's no am, big deal right? am I a two termer is that locked in because it's yeah, gonna sure. take a while sure this why not take a while Uh, because the the foundation of these relationships is is a level of trust, is a level of confidence, not only between governments, but also between businesses. Right? Because Mm -hmm. if I'm a major uh, multinational corporation, I need to have some confidence that my capital investments in this country aren't going to be undermined by a round of economic warfare, let alone kinetic conflict. Uh, the first thing that's, that's going to need to happen is we're going to need to, uh, Probably have a conversation about Taiwan because the the language of the communiques was was intentionally vague and there was a certain spirit under which they were undertaken and which very much guided uh, interactions between the powers uh, for 20, 30 years. Over the past several years, increasingly, Washington has been engaging in acts which I think very much violate the spirit of those agreements, if not the outright letter. For example, having actual U.S. troops on Taiwan and on other offshore islands very close to China's shores, the mainland. Um, the, The high level visits. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is the third highest ranking member of our government. And the second communique explicitly forbade high level diplomatic contacts. Sure. And, and so, again, it's, it's kind of head scratching. But again, you you see where all of the and I, I guess we haven't really talked about this much. But for those who are familiar with my work uh, will know that the the, the the places where the papers were getting these comments that, oh, well, it's not a big deal. This isn't breaking with precedent very much. These were all the same kinds of think tanks who take the money, who love the idea of conflict with China because the war on terror was kind of small potatoes. You know, some small arms, some body armor conflict with China preparing for a great power conflict with China. Now you get to sell big ticket items. Now you get to sell aircraft carriers that are worth billions of dollars, more jets. I mean, just the big stuff. So these institutes that are funded by this this military industrial complex money, like they're huge fans of this. And in the U.S. corporate world, I have an article coming out this week at the Institute, which talks about this. The the business community, which was a big leader in, in making relations better, it's hard to get them back on board because there's a degree to which Beijing just has not played ball. And what I mean by that is uh, the access chasing the China market, the access to the China market for U.S. products has never been good. It's always been disadvantaged. Most of what U.S. corporations have been doing there is taking advantage of, of cost savings, environmental savings and You know, Now that those are gone and manufacturing, low-grade manufacturing is moving to places like India and uh, even places like Vietnam, Cambodia, a lot of it in Brazil, Mexico, that's not there anymore. They're getting locked out of China's market. They've never gotten good access there. They'd like to keep China out of our market. They'd like to increase their pricing power in our market. And that includes very profitable companies that you might not think of like Google or Facebook or Meta or whatever they call themselves now. But the war against TikTok, right, they don't want Chinese competitors getting in on their market, right? They want their market protected, just like uh, Intel wants its market protected with all of these big corporate subsidies getting doled out. And so with 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 the access to the China market never having materialized, with the cost savings being gone, with geopolitical tensions being ramped up, with sanctions coming into effect, tariffs coming into effect. U.S. corporations are increasingly the U.S.-China Business Council. Don't hear anything from them, really. Uh, there, there are a whole bunch of trade groups like that that used to be very, very vocal in the press, and and now they're they're really not not getting anything. And the money that is being spent isn't generating any returns. Whereas the Taiwan lobby, by contrast, which spends only a fraction of that amount, is getting whatever they want. And so there's only so much any president can do. You can't order corporations or at least you should not be able to i don't know whether or not how the courts would deal with something like that probably they'd side with the administration but you can't order them to go invest in china you can't order the chinese to open up their market more to make this happen um it's just there's too much uh too many forces in play. And of course, there are also players in the, uh, in, the, in the Indo-Pacific region who like being able to have their security subsidized by the United States. You know, they don't want uncontrollable conflict because they're frontline states. But sure, they love being recipients of basically free security, uh, you know, discounted parts, access to U.S. technologies. You know, India has loved this. And India has never even really played Washington's ball game, but Washington just never has been able to get it through their heads that the Indians are going to do whatever is best for them, and not what Washington wants them to do. So it's a whole mess, man. I can't pretend that if I was the president tomorrow, I'd be able to fix anything. Uh, you know, there's a—it's just a series of lots of different decisions that have made a lot of different actors are involved, and there's only so much that that any one person could do to get these relations back on the right track. But starting with a conversation about Taiwan. Look, the people of Taiwan just want the status quo to remain. Sure. They just want the status quo to remain. We have a lot of good public, public uh, polling data from Taiwan, and they they overwhelmingly just want the status quo to remain. Um, and there's no reason that it can't. And I think that that would go a very long way. That's a Taiwan is a real sensitive spot for Beijing, and I think that a better understand, better relations, uh, e- even just we don't even have to agree on it. We just have to handle it in a in a in a in a more uh with more decorum, I guess. Sure. We can't flout the fact that we're slapping the Chinese in the face all the time. You well, know. Which well, is how they perceive it.
0: Yeah. So all right. On that note, uh, Joseph, I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours longer. Um, but we're we're running short on time, so I'm I'm really gonna challenge you here. There's a few more things in my notes that's that I that I had, and I'm I've decided uh, just now because my name's on the show and I can do whatever I want, uh that we're gonna do a lightning round. Um, uh, but I think you can handle it. Are you ready?
2: I'm ready. Let's all do right. it.
0: All right, first one. All right, all right, here's here's a here's a phrase that you hear from a lot of people. Well, China, you know, we can't compete with them. Uh, I lost my manufacturing job because all we have here is you know China makes everything. It's all a bunch of cheap manufactured Chinese crap. They essentially have a slave labor force. We can't compete with that. Any truth to that, or economic illiteracy?
2: Uh, Part of its economic illiteracy, part of it was asymmetrical trade concessions given to China in the hopes that it would produce a uh, a capitalist transformation, which would produce a uh, a politically conscious and uh, demanding uh, upper middle class who would overthrow the Chinese Communist Party and become a democracy and would then follow Washington's lead uh, on security prerogatives. I have an article on that at the Libertarian Institute called Trading the Rust Belt for Military Bases.
0: All right, uh China is spying on everyone. They've they've taken control of the internet. Uh the weather balloon was a spy device. And of course you already mentioned the infamous TikTok. Well, TikTok is just there to steal grandma's passwords. Uh is China spying on everyone?
2: Well, if they were, then I wouldn't know. Um like all governments, I assume them to be trying to spy on everyone uh washington has a very comfortable agreement with our own locally based tech companies where they give them whatever they want i would be very surprised if tiktok uh, is not uh, under similar pressures but so far we have only innuendo there has never been anything hard presented on that front and uh, the spy balloon uh was a big nothing burger. I wrote several articles about that and have links in the, uh, in the articles as well as footnotes in the book where very quietly behind the scenes, uh, the Pentagon and whatnot uh, admitted that it was a big nothing burger and it wasn't spying and they were lying the whole time.
0: All right. Where can people go to support you and check out your book?
2: Well, uh, I'm at the Libertarian Institute. I am a political scientist and economist there. Uh, I write a weekly, sometimes bi-weekly article, uh, for the, for the Institute. Uh, now that I'm uh, full-time at the university, it's very hard for me to get one every single week, but they can go there. They can support me. They can support the Institute and they can find the book there now in an expanded paperback version.
0: All right, Joseph, we're going to get you out of here on this one. This is for all the money. Is a corn dog, a Wellington? yes that is correct a corn dog is indeed a wellington good job joseph i knew eat your heart out patrick mcfarlane <laughs> yeah, that's exactly eat it patrick you heard it here first joseph thank you so much for being on the show buddy we should we should have you back on
2: all right thanks so much i so appreciate you having me on Alan.
0: thanks a lot guys we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break do go away If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Like our Facebook page. facebook.com slash Alan Mosley TV. You can follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com at Alan Mosley TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtubecom slash TV. But if you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can get us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Thanks to Spotify, it's too late with Alan Mosley or Alan Mosley TV. Also, don't forget to get your tickets for the sixth annual It's Too Late Live Show, Saturday, May 18th, in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. Dave, do you have a final thought?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, what a great guest! I like that guy. You should have oh, a yeah. back on. Sharp. I mean. I could I could imagine following Ron Paul like that. Like, that'd be great. You know, on this show. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. After party? Yeah, real quick. I mean, okay, can, yeah, yeah. Cool, All right. Yeah. You know.
0: We can. You know
1: what? You know, just well. We upload the podcast.
0: Just yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, space. Holy green text, Aaron. Guys, I thank know. you so much for watching another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week. Oh, I saw Aaron's got his <laughs> tickets. The whole the whole It's Too Late crew yeah. is going to be on site. Mary, Mary's
1: excited to go bowling, bowling, bowling. Yep.
0: We're going bowling. That was fun.
1: That was yeah. like the highlight last year.
0: What's that supposed to mean?
1: But he had a great time bowling. Oh, you don't
0: uh, you, you just don't like my events anymore, huh?
1: I mean the event was it was great, but bowling was just it was next level. I'm I'm not getting out of this. <laughs> Why am I like this? Why are you like this? Fucking son of a